And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post Podcast Live from Bill Simmons' study. Is it a, I think it's fancy. It's, a, it's like a library. A, a, it's, a li- oh, it's a library. Yeah, library. Like say library. It sounds fancier. Sitting room? You're nervous because, you, you know, we're recording this on our own. Now you're making me nervous. I'm looking, but. My yeah. whole life goal is to have a proper sitting room library sitting room that you can bring people in and they could sit down and or you have that meetings. nobody else but me can go in <laughs> just just surrounded by <laughs> basketball and other books yeah. and mahogany and a fancy desk and like no one's even allowed to come i think in. you're on a your safe, way a safe i want to sit do you have a safe in here do not have a safe with just like mysterious documents no money just mysterious documents that like would Someone would scheme to steal in a heist movie. This room, just because the house is old, it does have a thing that you that was what was that prohibition in the nineteen twenties? Yes, has this panel that you push where they would hide the liquor bottles. Love it. So we have that. I'll show that to you later. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to talk about all things NBA. Yeah, I came up with a very Simmonsy gimmick. Yep. to get us going later, but we had a trade in the interim, and I have not heard your take on the trade. The Toronto Raptors, after trading OG and Obi. For quickly and Barrett, a trade I think we both like for for both teams. Uh, just said we're done. Pascal Siakam, you're going to be a free agent. We've lost free agents for nothing several times now. Most famously with Fred VanVleet, Indiana, three first round picks, 2024 Indiana's pick, 2024 the lesser of like four teams' picks, so it's going to be a bad pick. 2026 Indiana, top four protected, I believe. Bruce Brown, some other financial pieces. Give me the gut Simmons reaction to Indiana. Like you don't see, they're not a rebuilding team. They're clearly past that, but a young, let's call them a middle tier team throwing that much draft equity into a win now move is we can talk about trades. This made us think of from the past, but I just want the gut reaction. Gut reaction was, why are they giving up that much for a guy who is going to be a free agent in the summer? And then you're like, oh, they must be able to sign him. Then they're like, well, wait, it's going to be a max for Pascal Siakam. How do I feel about that? I had him. We did the ringer top 100. I think I had him 60th because I didn't love the season he was having, especially because he stopped being able to shoot threes effectively at all. But then when you dive into it and you really think about it, he's 29. He was 23, 7, and 5 for like five straight years. He is pretty durable. Like for in a league where everybody misses 20 games here and there, like he's... he's. I, I think I was watching a Raptors game the other day. I think they had some... Now you're mentioning this off the top of my head. I think they had some stat where like the last three seasons combined, he leads the league in minutes per game. Right. Or he's been like 36 point something minutes a game for like five years in a row. So I like that, especially with the speed they play. And then you think like, all right, even... I probably had him 60s to... Maybe he's 50. Maybe he's 45. Where, wherever. He's somewhere between 40 and 60. It's a 30-team league everybody's going to have two max spots and now the league has shifted toward you really only get two max spots. So you need your second guy. And how else are they going to get somebody? That's the point I made. So, so three first round picks sounds like a lot for a team in Indiana's position to give up. For but two a, are in this stupid draft that everybody hates. But I don't know enough about the draft to hate it, but everybody does hate it. So to, that's important for two reasons. Number one, the first pick is going to be a bad pick because it's like the less of a million teams. And then their pick, if they make the playoffs, which is still an if, like it's not, it's not a total hundred percent. Somewhere between 12 and 17. 
Well, actually, it's not an if because if you look at the, the East, they'll be they'll they'll they're a playing team. They're a playing team at absolute worst, at yeah. absolute worst. Because now the East is like one to eight, and then there's a chasm. Then there's the very sad four team battle for nine and ten between Brooklyn, Atlanta, Chicago, and Toronto. Which is like I'm not sure which one of those teams is more is the most depressing of those four teams. It's a very depressing group of teams. It might be Brooklyn if you get swept by Portland within ten days. It might it might be you as the most depressing team. I did a little power poll for my my podcast for love Thursday. the power polls. It's such a great. I wish I had thought of the power oh, poll. Well, I'm, I'm angry. Um, it was more fun when when you could write and really go on these tangents, but it's still for audio. It's fun, but I just I don't know what Brooklyn is. So you have to me, it's like for Indiana, it's an identity thing, right? They know who they are. They're fun to watch, but they're ultimately not threatening. Siakam, I don't think is the second best guy on a title team, but could he be the third? Sure. Yeah, you don't. When you're the Indiana Pacers, you do not get to go shopping at the superstar grocery store. Like no. this is this, these you don't have your pick of guys to become available. Not only that, like we talked about the two picks, the fact that they convey immediately is big because if Indiana ever wants to make another trade in the future, they don't have like the Stepian rule obligation hanging over their head forever and ever. They just have that one pick left to deal. Can I step on your corner with that? Well, actually, I think it's both of our corners where we just get super upset about something mundane. Yes. Can we just get rid of all the draft pick rules? You just want... Just get rid of them. You want... The, we made these rules in the 1980s when half the league was on cocaine and we had crazy owners who like owned bowling alleys or own like, you know, we, the, the owner, it's not like it was in 1982. We don't need to protect owners from themselves anymore. If somebody wants to be dumb enough to trade eight first round you picks in a row... You want to see a franchise get stuck in dumb purgatory forever. But wh- who like, cares? Like, you're going to be stuck in some sort of purgatory anyway. Either you're going to be spending way too much money on players so or you're funny. going to be whatever. But I I just, I don't know why we have to protect dumb owners for themselves. See, the Let league, them protect the league, themselves. The league thought for a second about going the other way in the wake of when it became clear what a disaster the Celtics-Nets trade was for the Nets. Yeah. The league at one point, I think it was the league. I'm not, maybe it came from a team, but they they pitched a rule to the competition committee or the rules GM's committee, one of the million committees they have, that they're like, maybe we should ban pick swaps. Like, if, if if my team owes your team a pick in year one and year three, we shouldn't be allowed to swap picks in the intervening middle year because mm. it just it just screws the team that owes the pick so badly and it screwed the Nets so badly and that didn't get anywhere. So, but the league thought the opposite. The league was like, maybe we need to protect these teams even more from each other because they've discovered this like swap loophole. It's a professional sports league. It's competitive. What is the point of protecting people? They're probably... Don't be in the league if you can't handle it. So their nightmare scenario is probably not like no disrespect intended, Charlotte being stuck for 10 years. Their nightmare scenario is like the Lakers being just screwed for 10 years. Like that's bad in their view for but we're off track we're off track but i don't i think it's important because i don't mind chaos though i don't mind you want chaos i don't mind it but when we're trying to figure out these trades and who has what and we're gonna hit this point in the mid-2020s when 15 teams has somebody else's first round pick it's like this shouldn't be part of our job like wait so wait brooklyn they have they're sending houston's pick that way but then they have these picks back it's like it's like following geometry back to the pacers yeah back to the pacers I so think, they have the number one player. They have the number three player. They don't have the number two player, but at least they're closer to being something. And I think he's a good fit. I mean, he's six years older than Halliburton, and everyone wants to construct these perfect teams where the ages line up. You don't always get to do that. And he's a speed demon in transition, which is perfect for Halliburton. 
They have a shooting center, Miles Turner. So, like, Siakam can be the guy who rolls to the rim and Turner can space the floor. Siakam can run, pick and roll with Halliburton screening with Buddy Hill screen, all that stuff. And defense. You can be your small ball five. Because small ball five, you can run the offense when Halliburton rests. He's an actual, another good defensive player on the team that does not. Have enough of those. The price is the price. Like they're obviously, I would imagine that they have a good idea. They will be able to resign him. Um, and to your point about, um, you know, you don't get to have your pick of guys. Another reason they don't have to have their pick, don't get to have their pick of guys, is they know. Like, let's say someone better than Pascal Siakam becomes available in a year. Someone who is the perfect number two guy, whose age lines up with Halliburton. You're going to get outbid by Oklahoma City, Utah, Houston, all these teams with a million picks. And so you kind of take what you can get. And I think it's a good fit. If I were them, I'd be just like Toronto's going to take some calls on Bruce Brown, I would imagine. I can't believe he's still on the team. Bruce Brown. He fits in on seven contenders and his contract. I thought his contract was 25. It's really the base is 22. So like a team like Philly can just trade... Marcus Morris and Daniel House and two firsts yeah, or like whatever, and just like all of a sudden they have Bruce Brown. If I were Indiana, I'd be trying to see if I could maybe get a pick for Obi Toppin now that I have Siakam. Like, see if I could spin that. But well, you, you know, think Detroit will take them because they need they need forwards and centers. Oh no, they have forty. Well, they keep signing them and then paying to get off of them. Like everyone was so excited about. Look at Detroit; they opened up all this cap space by trading Bagley. It's so like, stupid. It was inexplicable that they signed Bagley to that deal in the first place. You know, that's my favorite thing is when it, I I said this on my pod yesterday. When a team does something dumb and then they have to get off on it 6 months later and then they brag about how, well, we've opened up cap space now. And it's like, well, Aren't you the same guys who clogged up the cap space six months ago? What if to congratulate you? I like the trade for Toronto because they're losing Siakam anyways, clearly leaving. Their team was going nowhere. I want to. I don't want them to trade Bruce Brown right away. I kind of want to watch the quickly Barrett, um, Gary Trent, Bruce Brown. It's just a purdle. It's like a weird team that Schroeder of of annoying guys who play really hard, and I kind of want to watch it. Bruce Brown has, is going to have value. Um, and they can wait and let all these contenders sort of figure out how much we want to bid on Bruce Brown. Um, the first, He's at least the first-round pick, right? You're making it, a face, really? It would be a bad first. Like, you're not getting a good first for Bruce. But, like, people have told me, um, like, Tyus Jones is a name that has come up a lot yeah. in trade talks. Like, you know, um, and I, I won't speculate the teams, but... The whole, like, can Washington get a first for Tyus Jones? Most people you talk to are like, no, maybe two seconds, three seconds, four seconds, not a first. So Bruce Brown, a first? I mean, he's you do have him under control for a year if you want after this year because it's a team option, I think, on the next year. Would he be in Philly's crunch time lineup? So I think it's it, – let's get to Philly later. No, I'm just saying, like, maybe, I think he's yes. worth a first because he is a crunch time lineup. I remember going to the Lakers-Denver game when they were clinching when they swept. And he played really well, and he came out with like four minutes left. And he's so competitive, and he was so upset that he was coming out, but not like in a – he was just yeah. mad, but yeah. mad in the right way because yeah. he wanted to be out there because he felt like he was one of the best guys in the team. I just think that guy can be in a in a final series, and you can be comfortable with him in big spots. Yes, and he's like roughly – on the level of like DeAnthony Melton, probably as a player, like if you ranked all the players in the league, they'd probably be around the same level. Batum, yeah. 
doesn't score as much, but is like the perfect role player. I Philly needs like one more guy that's slightly better than those guys. I don't know if they need to make a big, big splash. We'll talk about Philly later. Bogdanovich? Maybe. Which one? You have to specify your Bogdanovich. Detroit Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich. Uh, I agree. Toronto did fine, given the circumstances. They did fine. Everyone so they turned every- turn Siakam and Ananobi into quickly Barrett, Brown, three firsts. And the Detroit And the 31st second. pick in the draft. Washington might make a run. At, at, the, at the 31st pick. How about Charlotte? Charlotte, Charlotte winning again? Or Portland. I mean, those teams are really, really bad. Well, I'm, we have five teams that are minus nine in net rating right now, which I don't remember that happening in a while. Let me ask you this. If you you grew up in New England, if there were ice in your driveway, do you think you could make it to a game that night? So what are all the details? I don't I haven't looked up all the did, did he it's only all have, people are talking people are talking more in the league about that today than they are about the Pascal Siakam trade. Everyone is dying to know like is it a steep hill? Was the 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 tweets made the ice sheet at DeAndre Ayton's house sound like it was like a living entity like the ice sheet couldn't be eliminated, it couldn't be moved. Like I didn't I don't know I need to know all someone asked me today like could they send a helicopter for him? I need to know all the details of this. I so Instagram. Do you go on Instagram no, or no? God, You're no. Spock. You don't do Instagram. I do Instagram, and the algorithm things that you like, and it ends up shooting more of that stuff at yeah. you. For some reason, one of the things that shoots at me is like people falling down driveways. So, I mean, and maybe that was maybe Aiton was worried about one of being on one of those videos. I assume he must have some fancy sports car with summer tires on them, and it was like just there's no way in hell he was getting out of the driveway. Honestly, with the tires in the car, and the thing—the thing that surprised me the most was that he was going to play in a basketball game. I feel like he has not really even played this whole season. I know he's played a bunch of games, but it doesn't seem like he's played. Well, you and I were both on Aiton Island. I think at least feeling like he was an asset, and I think I might have to sell my stock. I was out to dinner after the Lakers game last night, talking to a coach about the 2021 Finals between the Suns, yeah, and the Bucks. And we were like, man, remember like all the eight, like Aiton and Jokic, like Aiton, like Jokic was like, I respect this guy. There was like Aiton made it. He figured out the kind of player he was like, how far has he just sort of fallen off the map since that? And it's not even that long ago. Well, you know, this is the, one of the many lessons of the NBA is sometimes people get paid and that's it. And he got a big contract and he's honestly never been the same. Like he wasn't very good last year either. And he's getting paid thirty million a year, and some people feel like I've made it. I don't need to keep working. Then there's the other people that are like, they gave me this money. I'm now I got to go up a level. And those are the guys, you know, somebody like Halliburton. You give Halliburton money, he's gonna be like, okay, now what's the next step yeah, for me? Yeah, give me some players. Yeah, yeah, give me yeah, some, give me some, some players. I want to win a title now. I want to do right by you guys. Aiton, I don't think is wired that way. All right, let's close the book on this trade. So Toronto is gonna get hammered for not trading these guys early enough. Like, how much more could they have gotten? I actually think that's overblown. They probably could have got a little bit more, but they did pretty well. And it's not in, it was not insane that they decided, like, let's see what this team could maybe do, give it one more try. And they did, and like, yeah, it was if, a you little weigh, insane. if you weigh, like, how much more could you have actually gotten versus what was it worth for us to see this team through a little bit more? I think it comes out even in the end. Um, I thought and, they should have traded Van Vliet last year. Their offer and I think, sucked. I, I get it, but then he just left, and the, you're basically turning into Dennis Schroeder. 
Ooh, ouch. Uh, Mark Stein reported today in his newsletter that Atlanta's best offer for Siakam. Now, who knows if this is true, right? I mean, like, it's Mark Stein, but it's also just, like, who is accurate. But it's also, like, this is lying season all the time. Yeah. And this would have been an outdated offer because I think Atlanta fell out of the Pascal Siakam bidding because they need to figure out, like, what the hell are we doing? Was DeAndre Hunter, one pick, and A.J. Griffin, who mysteriously, like, just doesn't play anymore. Like, that's not... That tra- th- that's an awful offer. I think that's worse than what Toronto got. Where was Utah during this, and where was Sacramento? Sacramento was... There, remember, there was, like, a hot second when it might have been Sacramento. I think there was some truth... From what I've heard, there was some truth to that. Sacramento is in it. Their hesitation was some some of either or a mix of, do we want to pay a third gigantic salary alongside Fox and Sabonis mm. when we have this rising young guy who's kind of similar to Siakam positionally in Keegan Murray and or does Siakam actually want to re-sign here? Are we willing to risk it? You know, Or have we gotten smoke signals that maybe he doesn't? But they were in it at some point. But um, I don't love the fit for him in Sacramento. I, I totally think Sacramento... I If I'm Sacramento... Sacramento has had two punches to the gut in a row with the Dame shot. And uh, what was the other game? That, that, oh, the blown 22-point lead against Phoenix. Their point differential is almost a flat zero at this point, Like even though their record is pretty good. And if I'm them, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not getting over-exuberant. Like, I don't have to make the second round this year. I don't have to get out of the play. And, like, I have a nice team. The worst thing we can do is something dumb. Like, let's just, if we have to stand pat, we have to stand pat. If we find a marginal move, that's fine. Let's not do it. Like, to me, not overpaying for, like, a Zach Levine or anybody like that. Not doing that. We're aligned. I, to me, it's, uh, if, are they going to pass OKC and Minnesota and Denver in that conference? And the way the Clippers are playing now, no chance. The first trade I thought of when the Siakam trade happened this is where my brain went. My brain was partially wrong. I just want to preemptively say that was Chicago acquiring Vucevic as sort of like, okay, here's a team that's kind of in the middle, throwing a lot of chips in and telling themselves, well, our picks will be in the twenties because we're acquiring a good player. Like this is a safe thing to do. And then it backfires. And they threw in Carter in that trade too. I think had more value than Brown. And then I had to look like they got Vucevic in the middle of the season and not until the following summer did they get DeRozan and Ball and all of that. So that team, I think, was markedly worse this, than this Indiana team and at greater risk of actually what, what happened happening where they end up coughing up a top 10 pick that becomes Franz Wagner. Um, I think Indiana should be safe-ish from that uh, it, over the next three years. So I didn't find a great perfect comp for it, but it's fun. Should we move on? I'm Maybe. glad you brought up the Vooch trade because I actually looked this up afterwards. I had the same, my brain went the same place. And I thought they traded him when they already had DeRozan and Levine together, and they didn't. And they just had Levine, and they were like a 500 team. They're a mess. It's a pretty weird trade in retrospect. I don't... I hated it right from the beginning for Chicago. And like a lot of people in Orlando were mad. Like, we sold low on Vooch. He's a homegrown. Also, like, right. like, Vooch is fine. Plotting center entering his 30s. It's a good trade. It was obviously a good trade Amazing for trade for Orlando. All right. Any other thoughts on this trade? Any other teams you wanted to... <sighs> Get into the bidding. Well, I, I the only thing I had. Did extra, you like Philly? Did you like Philly as a Siakam team? No, because he can't shoot threes, and it, and Harris would have had to been in the trade, and I just don't think that makes sense for them. Um, the only thing with the Siakam thing we didn't hit was 
what turf is now open for other teams? What players, like basically Indiana made their move. So who are the other teams that are like, we need to make a move. And it just seems like there's a lot of smoke signals on that. We know Philly's doing something. They will I would do assume, something. I mean, if OKC doesn't get a big man, I'm going to be pissed. Cause especially you went to that Clipper game the other night and Chet didn't have it. And it was obvious from two minutes in and they just, they have no Chet insurance at all. The guy's a rookie. They have a real chance to, make the finals and they have no real size if it's not working out for him or if he gets in foul trouble. I find it really hard to believe they're not going to address that. And it, whether it's, is it Pirtle? Is it Quinn Capella? Is it Nick Richards? Like who Ooh. is it? Who, who has size? I don't know what they, why'd you make a face at Nick Richards? Jesus. Cause that's, I'm not sure that's the guy. I like I'm Nick Richards. He's fine. He's grabbed some rebounds. He, he can. They cannot. Re- they're a horrible rebounding team, which is baked into how they play small ball basically yeah. the whole game. Um, I don't look. No one has any credible Oklahoma City intel like that. It's impossible no. to get. So this is just my gut. I think they're going to do something. I just don't think it'll be something like big. But I think that I have been saying all year like they need to go get one more guy who could be their sixth man, seventh man, fifth man, something like that. Like, and if he's a center, fine. If he's a Big power forward, fine. I just think they need one more guy who's like a little better, who's better than like Aaron Wiggins and Kenrich Williams, who I like, who's a good player, but like one more like high level, like, all right, like how you said about Bruce Brown. Like, it's credible he can be on the floor in the last five minutes of a high level playoff game. Like, one more guy like that. Claxton, I think, is the interesting upside guy. And I think he would probably cost at least one first and then probably a first. But He's, he's like one and a half first, right? But if you add Claxton to that team, it's just they have way more options, you know? It, the weird thing is there's not like an awesome seven-foot one. Like a Rob Williams made so much sense. That was like the perfect Thunder guy, but he's hurt. You just wonder how much of a change it is midstream to start playing Chet at the four for like extended minutes. They did it in summer league a lot yeah. when you played with the big Jalen Williams. By the way, how good is wing Jalen Williams? Oh, my God. That dude is a stud. I mean, an absolute stud. That game against the Clippers, we were both at that game. That was one of those games where you just sit back. Like, sometimes you stumble into these regular season games where the two teams are really good, and they decide, like, we're really going for this game. Yeah. Tactically, we're going, all right, Kawhi, time to guard SGA in crunch time. That was awesome. Like we're targeting this guy, we're targeting that guy. It was an awesome game to the point that I was sitting next to a scout and I turned to him and I said, "Can you believe like I'm, I'm again apologize to the Charlotte Hornets. This is just the team that came to my mind. I was like, can you believe like Charlotte is in the same basketball league as the, as these two teams right. that we're watching right now that they play in the same like they're supposed to be equivalent? Like it was a crazy game. And and the Clippers shot the ball really well and just played really well and the Thunder would fall behind by 9 or 10. Isaiah Joe would just hit another three. All of a sudden, they climbed back. And they made like these two, three runs coming back from like 10, 11, 9. Took the lead late in the game. Took the lead. Up by but one. anytime the Clippers needed to get a good shot, they got it. That Honestly, that was the first time I, I drove home. I did a stupid Instagram short about it. I was like, I actually thought the Clippers looked like a finals team. They I don't did. know if they're going to make the finals. But that was the first time that I watched them in person and said to myself, all right, if they can stay healthy, if they can keep this, if they can stay as unselfish as they were in this game I just watched, this is a team that could be in the finals. Then they, they're bringing in Powell. 
They're bringing in Tice. These their bench guys are guys that have been in big games already. They're not great. I, I really like. Powell. And they didn't have Zubac, who's huge for them. Right. And, has, and Harden has like totally unlocked him. Is a different level of player. He's unrecognizable to the player he was in Philly. He's he does not have the ball that much. He flings it around. He's like reinvented himself. I don't. Obviously, I'm going to keep my guard up because it's James Harden. But dare I say this is my favorite version ever of James Harden? Is that fair? It just depends on your taste for step back threes, I guess. Like if you enjoyed, I there was something about peak Houston James Harden as who, a one man wrecking crew who just basically like broke basketball. Yeah, to the point that remember, at first it was the Bucks, and then Utah did some version of it too. They're like, we're gonna kind of guard you like on your back. Because, right because, and, give, and give you driving lanes because we just yeah. don't know what to do anymore and like and utah in the when they played in the playoffs like we like played all these gimmicky defenses to the point that their own players were kind of confused about yeah. what to do and it was i kind of like the way that he broke basketball. it's been interesting to hear the the feedback from the clippers people about how much they like him and how like hardy works and just things i wouldn't have expected certainly things you didn't hear all the time and maybe his last couple stops consistently. The, they love how he's taking the big guys under their wing and like after practice every day. Yeah. Zoo, come here, let's work on work on pick and roll. He's been excellent. And Kawhi, I mean, that block he had on Shea was the oh. best moment I've seen this year. I've been in a bunch of it games. It was like, I mean, the iconic Kawhi block is game six against the Thunder in 2014. Right. When the Spurs were like, not reeling, but you've had a feeling like the Thunder had played the Spurs really well in the playoffs before. We're getting way off track, but that remember that no. was on Russ in the last minute of a crazy game that the Spurs won in overtime, I believe. Tony Parker got hurt in the first half. Corey Joseph had to come in and play that game for the Spurs, and Kawhi has a crazy chase down. It's like a a grab. It's not. It's like but a he, grab block. It was an old school one where he let the guy go by him a little bit, and this is Shea. Like nobody blocks Shea in a drive. Like nobody. And he, he beat him, and he thought he had him, and then Kawhi did that ramp-up thing that, honestly, he hasn't done for, like, four years. So he looks great. The Clippers look great. I, I don't know what to say. I hated the trade, and, and it's it's maybe a loss. Who knows? One of those guys could, with the right. injury history, I'm not. Last thing on the trade, I just want to say this to say. Yeah. Um, three picks. I think the Pacers could have done a different version of the trade where either Jarris Walker or Matherin is in the trade and like one or two or in some versions all the picks come out and they say, you know what, we like these guys. The picks are the picks. Let's get them. I think that's like a defensible decision. Maybe that's the next trade. Maybe they're not done. Maybe they're not done. Maybe they're not done. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay? full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. And with a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. 
Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part, each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, ooh, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code LOW. That's code LOW, L-O-W-E, my last name, the name of this podcast. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. All right, here's the gimmick. I asked you to rank championship pressure index. We're at the halfway point of the season. We're starting to know who these teams are and who needs to actually figure out who they are in a much more urgent, compressed timeline. I said teams, players. I went all teams. Just who flat That's out. That's a disgusting move by you. Why? Because you came up with the gimmick, and it was like teams, players. Whatever like, you want. It could be whatever you want. And then you texted me an hour ago, and you're like, I did all teams. Which is what which is what you would do. You would you would just give me a 30 minutes notice, hey, we're doing this. No, I'd give you like two minutes. Yeah, maybe two minutes. <laughs> Uh, I went all teams. You can do whatever you want. Okay. Um, most pressure, championship pressure index with halfway of the season left. Who is your number one? This team or entity is under the most pressure. So you'll be happy to know that I went all players. Oh, nice. That's, Except that's, for my number one pick, the Boston Celtics. That's also my number one pick. We have I think they have to be the number one pick because... They made the finals in 22. They weren't supposed to be in the finals, yet they were seemingly had a good chance to win the finals. And then this black swan event of Andrew Wiggins playing the greatest basketball he's ever played in his career. He hasn't approached it since in any capacity before or since. All of a sudden became Scottie Pippen crossed with a 12 rebounds a game guy, crossed with a 40% three-point shooter, and was the second best player in the series. Not not just the Warriors, the series. So you have that. Then you have Jordan Poole, who, for whatever reason, games four, games five, game six, is this transformative eight-minute stretch guy when Cur- either Curry's out there or Curry's not. And these two things happen, and the Celtics lose their composure, and they lose. Then last year, you know what happened with that. Um, I do. They have the best team. Now, whether they can stay healthy... Whether Porzingis, they can get nine straight weeks out of him. Whether Al Horford can hold up, you know, whether they can avoid the stupid injuries that happen sometimes, I don't know. But they have the best team. They're twenty and zero at home. They're they beat the crap Which we, out of you teams. and I are both now uh, in, in full on I'm home on. record tracking. I like, love twenty. Look at the home schedule. Oh yeah, who's coming up? Like forty and one is in play, and it's very exciting. And there's been some signs with them that they they're just getting it. You know, like, I, I don't think the credit stuff matters anymore. I really think they're about who's winning. Everybody got paid. Everybody's in the right spots. But when I, I said this on, on my pod, but when Tatum guarded Shaf, that was like a big deal for this team. Because a year ago, I don't think he would have done it. I, I think he would have been like, no, no, it's going to take away from my offense. Not selfish, but, you know, he, he was in the mindset of, no, no, I got to beat Shea. I got to outscore him. But now I think he's starting to understand, like, some nights they need my defensive rebounding. Jalen is just the best version of Jalen we've ever had. He's picks his spots the best. And I don't think for the start of the year, there really felt like there was some hero ball stuff with him that was going to be problematic. That stuff is gone. Um, and, and he's also a good hero ball shot maker. And sometimes you just need, you just need a guy to, like, 
do that with five on the shot clock. He, he can, can do rise it. Rise up and get an eighteen footer. So I was looking up. But don't you think like the weight and holiday? How those guys, just what their makeup is and how unselfish it is. It's hard to be selfish when you're on a team with those two guys. So holiday is averaging like thirteen a game, right? Like yep. lowest in a long time. And I had somebody say to me a couple weeks ago, like, in retrospect, should the Celtics have? Do the Celtics really even like need Drew Holiday? Should they have paid? Oh my God! Should they have paid less? Stay with, stick with me. Should they have paid less and gotten someone like Alex Caruso and still have all this draft equity left that they spent, and maybe Rob Williams or whatever? And I said, respectfully, like, there's going to be a playoff game where Drew Holiday scores 32 points, and that's the reason the Celtics win. Yeah. And it might be just one game or two games. Like Alex Caruso can't do that, and we've seen that in some recent games where. Tatum is sad or they've had they've had you know they seem to have one guy sit like every third game and like Drew Holiday goes bananas so I have them as number one as well it's just like even though they're young or in their middle of their careers the middle of their primes for the most part there is a thing where like you just can't almost win a million times in a row without anything happening. Yeah, it becomes your, your identity. And I guess you could say they did change their team pretty dramatically this past offseason so maybe it's like they're kind of starting from like angst scratch like all the angst is washed out like marcus smart's gone we have a yeah. team with porzingis that's exciting but it really is like Grant's not tatum talking. brown like you can only get all the way up the mountain and fall so many times before something else gives and i agree with you like i think they're just flat out the best team the if they're healthy thing applies to every team the clippers more than anybody else so like yes of course i think they're the best team and on jalen you and i on the same day by accident released these like Jalen Brown monologues about how like Jalen Brown was, together. It was after the Charlotte game where he was awful down the stretch and he had kind of been just like hero balling beginning of the year. Since then, I'm not saying any cause and effect to be clear, but he's been really good. And I looked up this stat in relation to another player today. Second spectrum, you know, you can like look at the pick and roll rankings, like yeah. most efficient per possession. Number one in the entire league when I looked it up, points per possession on possessions where this player runs a pick and roll was Jalen Brown. Interesting. And I was like, whoa. Because there's really good post-up stats with him and Tatum this year too. I mean, Porzingis is on another planet, but. Do you um, think, is there a, do you think they need to get one more bench guy? And given their salary constraints, which are pretty, like it's hard for them to cobble together real salary without trading from their real rotation. Like, is there a guy that you've pinpointed as like, I'd like to get that guy. He can play like nine minutes a game for us. They need a big guard. They need a guard with size for those matchups when Pritchard just seems tiny. That's that's their one need. I, I'm fine Don't with everything else. they have like nine guards with size? No, nah, but Drew they... Holiday, Derek White. I mean, Jalen no, and Jason can guard those guys. You bench guard. Just those... Yeah, like a bench guard, like a six foot five bench guard with size who can come in and hit a three, like a buyout guy. Um, I, I think they're fine everywhere else. I... I, uh, I'm the most optimistic I've been at this point of the year with the Celtics team since 09, the year KG got hurt, where it's just like, we have the best team. Like this should be, they, this is actually could be happening. And then you look around and every other team seems to have slightly more flaws than them, but it's like anything else. It's going to come down to Tatum. They could be in the right position to win. Everything could be in place. And if he doesn't rise to the occasion, at least a little, it's not going to matter. And ultimately, it's his team, and, and there's going to be mano a manos against the other team's best player. It's going to happen in Philly. And Bede, who's, I, you know, I mean, is, is somebody said to me on the phone today, is he 
one of the best shooters in the league? Like, forget about best shooting big men ever and all the big man stuff. Is he just one of the best shooters in the league? The guy makes every kind of 20-footer, 15-footer, 25-footer, like, and he's a 90% free throw shooter. It's like maybe... Maybe he's on some other list that I didn't even think he should be on. He does that thing where he's 16 feet away and he jab steps and he fakes and he fakes and he waits for you to reach into the cookie jar. Yeah. And either I'm going to make the foul, get make the shot or get the foul. And like people, whoop, people reach in. He's, it's- the way to guard him is you just have to get right in his space with a smaller guy. And it's I thought it was really interesting how the Celtics defended him with Drew Holiday. <laughs> Yeah, but like I think Ananobi could do that with the. I think if the Knicks play them in a playoff series, I think Ananobi can get right in his chest and make him put the ball on the floor and do stuff. But I think the thing I love about the Celtics team is they have. Last year they had no lineup options. They had no malleability. This year they can go big. They can go small. Like they can they can play Tatum at the five if they wanted to. The way he rebounds, they wouldn't. They could get away with it for five minutes. They could play three guards together. They could play multiple wing, like they can basically compete with any style, and I think that's what makes them special. That and Porzingis is the superpower of all of it. It doesn't make you nervous. This is the counter argument to the Celtics. No, everything makes me nervous. That what against about? Philly, they won't have the best player. Against Milwaukee, they won't have the best player. Against Denver, they won't have the best player. That doesn't make you nervous. It doesn't make me nervous. I, just, I think that's kind of a. Fast. I think Tatum can match Embiid. See, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I don't. The Tatum playoff discourse is really interesting to me because even the way you were just talking about him, there's this perception that he has kind of fallen ten percent short of what everybody he's hopes he could be. Six. Like, he's also Jesus. had like that game in Milwaukee in 2022. Right. Game six, he scored fifty in a game in in against Philly. In didn't he hit fifty in game he seven? He two monster. And like, I gotta. His he's rookie year, lot, he's had a lot of big games where I'm like, I'm kind of okay with that dude in the as my number one guy in the playoffs. What about like, his rookie year, Game Seven? He was the only Celtic that showed up in, against, against LeBron. LeBron, and that yeah. I'm fine with Tatum. I, he's still a year away from hitting whatever ceiling he's going to hit. But I, it's weird to me that people don't ever mention his age when they're like, oh, I, uh, Tatum in the clutch. It's like, oh, sorry, he was. 25 last year i think he, we're okay and he's done stuff in the clutch or like i'm like i know he was dis- it really comes down to the finals against the warriors where i think people were disappointed a little bit he by how sucked. he played. but you but you but you know that's but guess in the what? finals at age 24 like yeah. that's not easy and also it was a really long you know season playoffs he, he killed durant in that matchup oh. i think the thing that he's added his ability now to post up and bully people he just wasn't able to do that until this year and well, that's Bully is the key word there because he's yeah. not and Porzingis same thing. They're not settling for the easy turnaround, no. whatever. They're trying to burrow into you and move your ass out of the way and draw contact. And like I've said this before a million times, my thing with the Celtics is rim, 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 free throws. Yeah, like, get to- just, just like Derek White. I was gonna write about this in my column, but I, I, I ended up not doing it. He. There's like kickouts that are good. Like I'm not gonna be able to finish this at the rim, and that guy's wide open. And there are kickouts where it's like it's just semi-contested at the rim. But if I go for it, I'm probably gonna get fouled. Just go for it, man. I don't want you to see. Don't kick it out every single time for threes. Okay, can I do one? Well, we both had the same first pick, so that means I get to go. Go again. again. I the, my second pick is not somebody you will have. I, I'm very excited. Dame Lillard. I have the Bucks third on okay. my list. I think they would come in lower than that. Like most people would think of 
Sixers, Clippers, Suns, other teams before the Bucks. I have the Bucks third. So we're on the same page, and I'm interested to hear your Lillard take. Well, it's Dame, and it's I had Griffin as my sixth pick. He he's a big part of why I have the Bucks third. So my two questions are: Dame, um, you made the Western Finals once, and you got killed. You by the by the Warriors without Durant, but still that's fine. Um, we've never seen you in this spot where four straight rounds you're going to have to produce. You can't have your three for seventeen nights. And you're going to get hunted on defense by every smart playoff team. What's it going to look like? It's probably going to be fine, but I want to see it. And I also like if it goes, you know how the discourse goes, especially when there's less teams and they're down two to one to some crap team in round one. And Dame gets lit up for like 39 and the other team shoots 62%. And that starts the whole, wait, Dame's bad on defense. Did you guys know this? It's like, yeah, we've been here for the last couple of years. Um, I just think the, the ebb and flow of the playoffs and the fact that he's a little hit or miss sometimes, I think is going to be a really fascinating wrinkle. Giannis has already won. Lopez and Middleton have already won. He's the one that needs it. And what's he going to look like on that stage? We saw him, even if you look at, what was it, the world championships or whatever, two years ago, he sucked. So is he going to come through? How big is he going to come through? And how great is he? Because this is going to be the referendum on Dame. This, this playoffs. So you, he has not, I mean, you're talking about a guy who has made two walk-off playoff series winning shots. Yeah. Doesn't matter to you? It's fine. I he's, mean, they're both in the first round. They're both in the first round. He's but. one of the 75 best players of all time. Like, I, I'm not disputing the fact that he's a great player, but this is like, we're these are different stakes now. You got Giannis on your team. Giannis is a maniac. Giannis is like, what, plus 14 and a half? On off this year, they, Giannis is possessed. I, I mean, have you watched him day to day? He's I'm, like, I'm so glad he's like angry Giannis this year. It, so I have come around to, I think, the the whole discussion of the Bucks this season has been pretty has been a little strange. Like, I think you and I have ranked them higher on our pressure list than most than most people would. I, I people just aren't talking about them a lot. Well, because they keep stealing wins, that's high, and their record is better than the team. Well, and so then there's been all this focus on like, well, you know, their defense stinks, their perimeter defense is awful. Look, look what they sacrificed in trading Drew Holiday. Like, I'm starting to think we we might be underrating them a little bit. And the number one reason is like Giannis looks like a man possessed right now. Like that guy is out for blood every single game. And if you look at their numbers. Now I know Middleton. You know he's now climbing up to a normal. I like total. what you're doing here. You're you're doing a nice sag. Well, I'm really he, respecting it. There, I looked him up in the car on the way here with their four best players on the floor: Dame, Middleton, Giannis, Lopez. They're plus 15 per 100 possessions with a good defensive rating, despite all the noise and all. Now is the fifth guy, and they they don't have an ideal fifth guy. Malik Beasley's like overmatched defensively, offensively. He's been amazing. I think they're. I think they have not been talked about enough because people have focused on all their flaws and focused on the coaching and Giannis like side-eyeing Adrian Griffin from the scores table that one game and that the weird schemes they were playing early which, in the Which season. one game? It was like I 10 of them. The weird schemes they were playing and the players like, hey, we don't like that and some of the other noise that's come in. Like, and by the way, was he like the unanimous choice for that job within the Bucks' brain trust and like some of the other candidates they considered, the road's not taken, all that. They're starting to look like a pretty goddamn good team. Uh, and they're so high on my pressure list because 
they're old. Like, like it's not guaranteed. Giannis right. is guaranteed, but like the rest of the team's kind of old. They don't have a ton of young guys. After this season, they will be able to trade two first round picks. Right now, they really can't trade very much at all. I like the Jackson Jr. kid though. Um, I do like, too. This is a really like. I'm surprised you didn't like Wiggins. Which Wiggins? On OKC. Aaron Wiggins is fine. He just did. I kind of. I thought he would make that weird list you have of the guys. What the, I used to do the Bill Simmons All Stars. What's your list called? The Luke Walton All Stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the guys that Bounce I just around. kind of inexplicably like Wiggins. He's good. He's a very good defensive player, and he's actually shot, shot threes pretty well. Um, I don't know. I just think the Bucks the Bucks are right there, and they just have fallen to the side a little bit. And I think they belong right in the heart of all these, both the contention discussion and and uh, the pressure discussion and. But then they have a game. Did you see them against Cleveland last night without Giannis? Yeah, they looked like an expansion team. It was shocking how bad they looked. And Dame... It actually makes you wonder, like, how much does Giannis cover up on this team? Dame, has his numbers are okay. 25 a game. His shooting's a little down. Well documented. There are some nights where he doesn't look as, like, zippy and bouncy to me. That's what I'm saying about the playoffs. Like, he's a once a week guy sometimes. Um, But... But in their transition defense, I, I don't know how a team this good and this experienced is just night after night getting roasted in transition. I don't get it. Can we at least agree that they are the ceiling floor playoff team this year? Was that I mean? could see them losing in five in round one, and I could see them making the finals. I have a better ceiling floor playoff team for you. Okay, what is it? Who's, who is number six on my pressure All right, list. well, tell me when we get there. Yeah, okay. so we agree. So you're up now. I let's just do Clippers now. Clippers were number two on my list. And I had Harden number three. So there we go. So Harden, look, we don't need to do the James Harden discussion. Everyone knows what the James Harden discussion is. I, you know, this is another chance, another chance. Uh, look, I mean, this one is obvious. The trade has worked. They've come together like this. Kawhi looks unbelievable. The trade has worked to the point that people I know at the Clippers are like taunting me on how wrong I was about the trade. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a logical guy. Logic said this trade wasn't going to work. I was lukewarm on it. And, and compared to you, I was much more optimistic, but I wasn't, I, I didn't like, well, you did the Zach move. You kept kind of both sides. I was in the middle. But you're, that's That's why you're the um, best. But I understood what they were going for. And, and I had a roadmap of how it would work. But like Kawhi, one of the bets they made was, Kawhi is going to be all right moving off the ball more because he's still going to get his touches and he's going to realize how much easier 28 points become for him and how many just easy threes he's going to get. And he's going to be able to translate that all that expended energy now gets to go on defense. He looks unbelievable. Paul George should be an all-star. I just like the the reason the pressure is there is obvious. These guys have been together for five years now, Kawhi and PG. Yeah, one conference finals, uh, three playoff series. The wins Phoenix total. thing was really bad luck. I mean, you could argue the bubble was bad luck, and then Phoenix in twenty one getting there instead of them because Kawhi got hurt. Um, and that looked like the year. For they were probably the best team in the West. I know Phoenix made it. I hate doing the oh, you weren't the best team even though you made it, but. I do think the Clippers had the best team that year in the West. And then Kawhi gets hurt. Kawhi gets hurt in the Utah series, which they then finish without him. They win two games against Phoenix, which is a good showing. Paul George kind of redeemed yeah. the bubble thing, uh, the bubble side of the backboard show. Um, it speaks to how much better the league is now. Because I don't think that Phoenix team 
would have a chance to make the finals this year. The league's just better and deeper and more talented. Now. Well, everybody took advantage of the Denver interregnum of two seasons where they just didn't right. have their team. And everybody knew, like, there's this awesome team. Just kind of got to wait for Murray and Porter. But, like, the, the Serbian dude is real good. And It's like, a little similar to the late 70s when Bill Walton got hurt. And there were these two finals that they just would have been in. And instead they weren't. And then we got Seattle and Washington. This is a million years ago. But yeah. We got Seattle and Washington in 78, 79. But it was basically because Bill Walton got hurt. And you could say the Jamal Murray, the timing of it, it's very similar. So the Clippers thing is obvious. They're old. They've had a lot of cracks at it. They traded everything to build this team. I think they still have one more trade in them to make. And you have, other than Kawhi, all this like L.A. basketball royalty all together trying to bring the cursed L.A. franchise the first championship in its history. Doing it very unselfishly, which is the big surprise for me. I think they have. I think they can win it. Like I think it's they're like a stone cold. Denver is still the best team in the West to me until proven otherwise. But I think the Clippers right now are the biggest threat to Denver. And I like. So can we go rock paper scissors? Because I don't think they can beat Minnesota. So when you said ceiling floor playoff team, what's your best one? Minnesota's mine. Like I think Minnesota is a very good matchup for Denver. I still pick Denver in the series to be clear. Denver, Denver, Denver. But something about Minnesota's size at least gives Denver like a little like, oh, this is it's kinda, a lot of stuff to throw at Jokic. Ca- ca- yeah, yeah. kind of uncomfortable for like, it's kind of. Eh. Uh, but if you told me Minnesota is like 2-2 in the first round against pick whoever is the seventh right. seed, I'd be like, oh, OK. And then the pressure. Then that's why that's why they're high in my pressure rankings, because it feels like it's all gravy for this franchise that has sucked for so long. But they're going to. F- a, they have the financial sort of Damocles hanging over their head of like, we can't keep this team together forever. Probably, we'll see, maybe. So we, we really need to make something of this year. And B, you're not like the underdog anymore. Like, hey, we won a game against Denver. Like, great showing. Like, right. it's going to be, you go down 1-0. You know how it is. If they're the number one seed, they lose game one at home. It's like an avalanche. Then it's game of two. Shit. Game two, you're down eight with four minutes left. And Edwards is like, oh my God, I got to score 10 points at once. Yeah, how do you we still talk about Minnesota? Oh, because the Clippers. You were going to say something about the Clippers. Well, I was saying I think Minnesota. That would be a tough matchup for them with the because they have wings to throw in their wings. They have size, and it's just kind of it would be odd because I think the Clippers would end up probably going small, and then we would have this small ball, big ball thing. The Lou Lou's really good. I mean, He's, he is even navigating this Westbrook thing. The Westbrook thing and his stats are not as good as they were when he plays more minutes. But he can come into these games sometimes and affect the game, which is what you're supposed to do as a bench guy, right? It's not going to happen every game. But once in a while, he'll go in, he'll grab like, you know, nine rebounds in 20 minutes and change the pace of what's happening. Somehow they have engineered it, obviously, so that he plays less, but that there are just less possessions, fewer possessions where the ball ends up in his hands. Yeah behind the three-point arc, which is like what you don't want. Like, all right, we ran a pick and roll, and like the only alternative we had was to kick it to Russ in the corner. There's like one of those a game now or two of them a game, and the rest of it is like he's doing Russ stuff. Do you think he's on the team in March? Yeah. Okay. Last Clipper thing. The fans at the game against OKC the other night was the best Clippers crowd I could remember since Lob City when people were really into Blake. I think there's been a weird relationship with the fans and the crowd and the team and like the load management stuff. And even when they got hard in, it's like, what is this? 
I think the fans like this team, and they're, by the way, way more fun to watch than the Lakers. Like Lakers if you is ever, a grind. Lakers, but Lakers that's how is, they play. They want to beat the hell out of you physically. Yeah, the Lakers aren't that fun. It's not fun to go to their games. It's a lot of standing around and low post stuff and people throwing up threes. And the way the Clippers play, it's really, uh, I, I'm stunned, but it's really fun to watch. All right, who's next on your list? Kevin Durant. We're, we're, we're actually aligned. I, the Suns are fourth on my list. Again, I think we probably have them higher than most people would because they're, they've kind of been like, oh, let's wait and see how their team is. If it, if it goes badly this year and they're out in round one, and it's not like next year is going to be better with the team they have, um, it just feels like Durant has missed this window, you know, starting with that last Golden State year where he gets hurt, right, as they're almost definitely going to win the title. And then just one thing after another, and now it's going to be 2025, you know. that that There's some numbers with – with him, that even though like the traditional numbers are pretty good, like his clutch numbers are really bad this year, and eye test wise, it just feels like it's a little easier to stop him at the end of games. He's also been in the league since two thousand seven, you know. And I, I think when you get to that fifteen, sixteen year mark, we saw it happen with LeBron. Like you know, like the the Lakers having a offense that's in the twenties for the five of the six years that he's been on the team. It's because. Even though his stats are the same, he's a little different at this point of his career. He's just not as good as he was in Miami. And with Durant, if if it goes badly this year, I'm not positive what the moves are. And then what happens if Booker's like, this sucks? It's a bit. It's, it's your, I just gave you a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, so I'll do the team first. Yeah. I don't remember who said it first when they made the trade for Beal. Someone said, well, this is really like a two-year window for them. You know, the first year is going to be kind of an adjustment period. And then they'll have this other year where it's like they'll be fully optimized. There's no two-year window. Like, this is now. Like, you got to win right now. You just traded everything possible for Durant, who's either 35 or 36. And 35. Going to be 36. You have this big three. And, you, yeah, you have all the role players. And, you know, maybe you could remodel the roster on the fringes in the summer the window is now and they finally have their team they look like they're pretty damn good uh but look i mean in the west you're well, talking with, with durant go back the last two playoffs tatum completely outplayed him in 22 that we haven't heard the whole story of that series because that was like Durant did not look nearly like himself in that's the term remember the turnovers like no, there were a couple got, he just like dropped the ball out of bounds i actually thought Maybe Tatum, he just was kind of taken aback by how good Tatum, like he almost wasn't prepared mentally for what, that was the best Tatum's ever played in a series. But here's the reality for Phoenix. But then last year, same thing, like he just wasn't the best guy in the court. Well, they were pretty damn good, and then they just ran into a buzzsaw in the second round, but they were pretty good for, for yeah. um, the first, the beat the Clippers. But he's Kevin Durant. He's supposed to be one of the were, best players in the league. He is one of the best players in the league. But now they have you know, a, a better big three, I think, than they had last year. Nurkic has made, made both of us eat a little crow. Like, he's been pretty good. Oh, I'm not eating anything. <laughs> so, like, honestly. Like, first of all, if he plays, what's he, on pace to play, like, 79 games, get out of here. It's not happening. In any case, they're, it's, they're 22 and 18. The four seed 
is the Clippers at 26 and 14. And the top four, although Oklahoma City is in a little bit of a slump for them right now, don't look like they're going anywhere. Which is a long way of saying Phoenix's ceiling might be fifth. That's a really hard run to go through. Um, oh, I'll, I'll go further. I think they're going to be a playing team. How about that prediction? That's not even they a prediction. Have a ton of road, they have a ton of road games to make up. Also, you're talking about if anything happens to one of the three guys, they're a 500 team. I think the Clippers, absolutely, unless some, some horrible injury happens, I think we have our top four Top now. four are done. I, I would be shocked if those aren't the top four. Well, they, I mean, you wouldn't be shocked if Kawhi all of a sudden was gone for a month and a half. I just injury standpoint, I'm I, it's week to week with the Clippers, but yeah, I think that's top four. And then New Orleans is twenty five and seventeen, and the, and how many stupid games have been they blown this year? Like seven. They're good. I like New Orleans. So I, to me, that's the five. And then Sacramento, Dallas, Phoenix. Can't count out the Lakers. Nope. They didn't really factor into my pressure index because I feel like they just got to figure out their team before we start talking about the big picture stakes. For I don't think team. they're important enough to factor in. But I would Austin Reeves would have been my pressure guy for them. Um, interesting. I just think Phoenix and Durant, he's just endlessly fascinating to me as a player to think about because there's never really been a player like him. He's an archetype all to himself. Yeah. How comfortable he is on the ball, off the ball, all of it. And then you just like his there's just no denying that his career post Oklahoma City has been weird. And he went to Golden State, two titles, two finals MVPs, was visibly unhappy even before the third year and before Draymond yelling at him on the bench became like an explosion. He was unhappy with Steph Curry, Steve Kerr, and Clay Thompson yeah, and Andre Iguodala. That's weird in itself. When you've made that point many times. and I like KD. I, I wish he had just stayed with the Warriors. Well, so this is – okay, That that's choice number number one. But I I think some part of him – seems to have gotten to the Warriors one and realized I'm never going to get the credit for this. Like this is always going to be Wait, like, I, yeah, historically we talked my, about this and my, and my reaction to that was like, how did you kind of not realize that that was good? I don't think reaction? he fully realized how just popular Steph is in the Bay area. Well, and also like, I don't, I don't think you can really fully realize it till you're there every day and, and you're you, on Steph's team and you're like, Holy and shit. it is no one, no one, certainly not me, uh, uh, questioned his choice or his ability to choose whatever team he wanted to go to. You want to go to a 73-win team that lost in the finals? That's totally your choice. You want to live in San Francisco? You have a million reasons. I kind of liked it. You want to play with these dudes who are super fun to play with and it's amazing? That's fine. But what comes with that is it's if it's as easy as it looks like it's going to be, it's just the championships aren't going to be lauded universally the same way as the heaviest lifting championships ever. And I've always thought like, I wonder if, if he had to do that summer over again, would he choose the Warriors again? He probably doesn't think like that because people don't. 16? Yeah, because people don't think like that. Like, oh, my experiences are what they are. They've informed the person I am today. I did win two titles, two finals MVPs, cemented my legacy in that way. I just wonder. I would love I would love to have that conversation with him someday. I don't know what the right choice was. Though. It wasn't like great. The my Boston people be, will always say, oh, we had the right he team wasn't for going him. There. I, I never really bought it. I think the other choice, because I've, I've, I've done some digging over the years on this, I think would have been to just do a one year with OKC 
and go back for one last run with those guys because they were so close and do it that way. But I think he, he wanted to change his life. I mean, the, the reason I defended at the time and even after spending time with him doing different podcasts, like he was like 19 when he got to OKC. It was the second place ever that he had his own room. Like he, the first time he ever had like his own bed in his own room was at the and University by the way, of Texas. He, he was in Seattle for a year. Oh, that's before. what I meant. Seattle yeah. first. Yeah, Seattle, OKC. He was there for Just nine a strange years. Strange start to your professional career. Yeah, to begin he was with. like a, a, a baby. And then he kind of grew up and then he wanted to see what the world was like. So he went to San Francisco. I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm totally okay with it. I'm not but- okay with 2019 because I think, I just wish he had seen the big picture and been like, I, this is a, this is a black swan event that I ended up on this team with, with Steph and Clay. I should stay. And win five championships. They might've won seven. I wonder what else. I mean, obviously, the Knicks is the other path not taken. That same, you know, that was the setup, right? Is that like Kyrie and they, they were too much of a mess. Um, I think the Wizards in 16 could have been he interesting, never even, he never but he never even them. interviewed with them. In the, he didn't the, want to play didn't there. Didn't get a meeting. But he could have done Wall and Beal and, and KD in 2016 would have been fun. Um, Who do you have for number way, five? Beal, Beal has not played what I would consider a meaningful playoff game in seven years. I think that series against the Celtics. In he was pretty good in that series. Yeah, he was very good in that series. He's had some really good playoff. He had. I looked it up today. He had seventy-one points combined in Game Six and Seven of those wow. series on good shooting. And early in his career, you know, they they beat the Bulls when they're just like a young, precocious two twenty-year-olds, John Wall and Bradley Beal. Yeah, they take the Hawks, the sixty-win Hawks, to to the distance. Uh, and they might have. I think they lost in six, but they might have beat that team if John Wall didn't get hurt. Or they had a chance anyway. Like I, he's had some good playoff moments. I'm excited to see him now, like with real stakes again. Like, hey, like reclaim your, like you reclaim your legacy, reclaim your big game reputation, all that. I'm, I'm at a different it. point with Bill. I've kind of given up on him as a star, so everything will be a pleasant surprise now. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Sixers slash Joel Embiid. Yeah, I had Embiid five. Because all this stuff is great in the regular season, but I cannot remember a single awesome Joel Embiid postseason. You cannot remember a single loss? Awesome. Oh, awesome. Joel Embiid postseason. Well, I mean, there have been awesome games, but there's also been, like, you look at the last, some of the final games, including last year against Boston, you know, and then there was the series against the Hawks. I think he had 16 turnovers combined in the, the last The Hawks series, he series. got scot-free out of that series because of Ben Simmons, and he was bad. And the Raptors series in 2019, the Kawhi in-and-out shot. He was bad. 
he, but he statistically was bad, and he was sick, and there's always something. Like in the, he has a game in that Hawks series where he was four of twenty. Yeah, I think in game four, and he was dealing with a meniscus thing in his knee. So there has been like he got his bro- face broken one year, knee stuff, and in that series against Toronto, he was under the weather and he was injured for part of it. And there, that was the series where they were like, "You sound like a mom making excuses." For no, their they were also like, son. but he, the other bottom line is, I, they were plus like a million with him beat on the floor and minus a million and more. With we him know what he was fine last year, and they choked at home in Game Six and no showed Game Seven. They, but he no showed Game Seven too. I know. Um, and they have all this cap space this summer, up to $55 million, according to Bobby Marks. I checked with him today. Cool. There's nobody available. We'll see. Uh, they have three first-round picks to trade right now. That that becomes five. <laughs> Who is... I, I don't know. You just never know. You know, like One thing I've learned with Daryl Morey is you actually really never know. You never yeah. know. Like, oh, Chris Paul's on the Rockets. Like, oh, that's weird. Um they have five first-round picks to trade this summer, three right now. My fear for them is they're going to get too cute. Be yeah. like, we got to preserve this cap space. And But then it, I think what they're – like, they beat Denver at home the other night. Philly's on a back-to-back, and they beat Denver. In Philly, granted. But the Sixers were the team on the back-to-back. I watched it. Great win. I think they're – I think the question that they're probably asking themselves is like, are we – are we already good enough? Like, do we need no move? Do we need just a small no, move? They need do we another need to go scorer. big? They Who's have the, to who, get, who? One they, of the Bogdanoviches. You want Detroit Bogdanovich. No, they just need one other person. They have two and a half scorers right now, right? Because Harris isn't somebody I would be running plays for with three minutes left in a game seven. But, like, they're playing the Celtics. The Celtics have people to throw on both of those guys. They have people to throw well, on Embiid, and they have people to throw on Maxie. Now, Maxie turned the corner a little bit against Boston in the playoffs last year. He's never been his, in his he's stats never, against Boston are bad. They're like, bad. He's and he's never been the number size. two guy with real pressure in April and May and June. So I would, I personally, if I was a Philly fan, I'd want to get, you know, Bogdanovich ideally, but somebody who could at least give me a little scoring. And I think Bruce Brown is perfect for them. I would be, I would be ultra aggressive if I were them. I, I would me say, too. I wouldn't quite say to hell with my cap space, but I'm not going to be too precious with it. Like if I, if the guy I get has a year and twenty million dollars left on his contract, then like fine, we'll figure it out in the summer if that's the guy that I think helps my team. And I do agree with you. I think it needs to be someone who can create offense um, when when gets tight like when like joel gets double team and maxi's on the bench or you kick it to maxi you need a third score the celtics had this in 22 like tatum and brown oh those guys don't have it okay now what are we gonna do and then it's like marcus smart firing up threes with two minutes left and you just look at their starting five maxi melton harris batum joel who we've seen batum in the spring by the way not i'm not gonna be afraid of him in the corner in may First, can we agree Joel Embiid has been the best player in the NBA this year per minute? Yeah, I, I, I think mean he's he, been better than Jokic this year. I, I value durability, so I will agree when he 400, plays. Four hundred more minutes. Yeah, I, like Embiid doesn't play for four games and then he plays for two, and I don't know. I said this on my pod on Thursday. Like, I would kind of like to see him play at Denver this year. Can we get that? Can yeah. it? Can it just not be a thing where Jokic comes to you and plays on your turf, but you don't go to Denver? I think we're probably going to see it. Okay, I'd like to see it's it. January 27th, I think. Yeah. Their next, their next game. Please show up for that game, Embiid. So I think I said this last year and was ironically, I said this like a year ago now. So if the Sixers keep putting teams around Joel Embiid, 
that are good enough to make deep playoff runs. We are going to get an Embiid postseason. We're going to get the postseason where he just lays waste. The 1994 the Hakeem. The Jokic postseason from last year. Like, we're going to yeah. get one where it's just every game. Yeah, sure, you have an 11 of 24 in there somewhere, but you get to the line 15 times. You're just every game, you just, you know, like Jokic just controls every possession of the game. We're going to get that. And then we got the same Joel Embiid playoffs last year. It's like, oh, he fell 20% short of his regular season production again. Is it going to come? Because you're like, at some point, it's either got to come or they're just never going to win the championship. Patrick Ewing was kind of like that. Oh, that hurts. That hurt my soul. No, but he was one of those. He, he just could never quite get over the hump when it really mattered. But was a great player. I, I mean, I have him probably in my top 40. Um, Do you like DeJounte Murray for the Sixers? I don't. Do you like Terry Rozier for the Sixers? So I had I had him for the Heat. I love Terry Rozier. That's that's very astute. There's some Rozier heat buzz that's there's, been building is. the last couple of days. That's, I, me- I mentioned it last week for a reason. Yeah. that That's also like if we were doing central casting for the freaking heat culture uh, reality show, like the Terry Rozier would be like, oh, let's bring this guy back for a second interview. He's like and, the perfect heat ha- culture and guy. And I have heard through people close to him that – I always worry with guys like that. Like I'm worried about this with Kuzma a little bit that they go to these bad teams yeah, and they like forget almost how to play like regular basketball, like regular good team basketball. I've heard like he, he would go there and be like, I'm like easily the third or fourth best player on the team. Like I have no illusions, delusions of what I am within this universe. Who knows if they get him. Kuzma like, would be like, I can't wait to walk in the pregame for the TNT cameras. <laughs> I'm out on Kuzma. I Sorry, think, Kuzma. You seem like a nice guy. I'm out. I, I'm not out on him at all. I'm but, out. Uh, but the Heat. Oh, the Heat. Rozier. I, I, Rozier, I think. The Rozier pro- to Philly would be incredible. I think their issue would be. It's the same issue with all these teams who have one really awesome small guard. Can we play him with another one? Like defensively, is that just going to be murder? And it limits the pool of players. You can trade for it. This is why, like, Caruso would be a guy that would be great for them because you know that guy can guard. He guards fours. Like, he guards everybody. He's a yeah, like, let's say they got Caruso and Bruce Brown. I would be like... Um, Someone mentioned DeRozan to me. I, I'm not oh, sure. that's I, interesting. I love that one. But I do think the great unanswered question about the Bulls, who clearly are not on our championship pressure index, is... Didn't have them. Every, all the buzz around the league is they do want to trade Levine. They may not be able to do it. Uh, they don't want to bottom out, so that's why they're like stiff army people on Caruso. Like we want to actually keep a competitive team. The unanswered question is like, what does that mean for DeRozan? He's a free agent. Are they just going to pay DeRozan? Like, is that the plan? They're just going to re-sign. What the- draft was he? Oh nine. He's like, yeah, he's like legitimately old for a shooting guard. So that's why this person threw DeRozan at me, and I'm like, hey, he doesn't shoot threes. He's not a great defensive player, but he is like, he can get me some buckets when. Things get hairy. All right, so game game five, Boston, 2-2 two, two series. There's five minutes left. Is he on the floor? Embiid, Maxi, Harris, Batum. Who's the fifth guy? Right what? now? As presently no, no, just, just who's the ideal fifth guy if those are the other four? It might be a guy like Bruce Brown. That might You might be right. That may be the name. Moving without the ball. Like the, I think they need like a glue guy doesn't need the ball but just does. Now you could say Batum is a glue guy, but 
you know. They're going to do something. I just don't know how big it's going to be. And maybe there is no big name, big money guy that actually fits and it's worth what they can give. And so they just get, then get two of these guys that we're talking about. Just fortify, give me extra fortification all over the place. How many finals trips combined have Embiid and Daryl Morey made? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's not nice. I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. They've made zero finals. They have a real chance to make the finals this year. They have expiring contracts and picks to trade. And they have two of the best. They have one of the best three or four players in the league. And then Maxi is one of the best 25 to 30 players in the league. Go get somebody. And their coach is really good. I'm just going to go rapid fire. Wait, I'm up. Uh, okay, go. I had Griffin sixth. My next one I was really excited about. And you're you're probably gonna re- gonna lean back and be bummed out. It's a, it's a player. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna lean back and be bummed out. Bam out of bio. Oh, the bam! Don't don't do this. To, don't. I'm gonna do it. What is the is has he won too much for your taste? No. It, you know I like Bam out of bio. Okay. Um, might be in a situation in three straight series in the East. Where he's not the best big. So, yeah, look, you're in the same conference as Giannis and Bede and... You know who gives him problems? Kristaps Porzingis. Oh, stop. The, he's, but we know who's a better player between the two of them. Yeah, but did you see him try to guard Porzingis? Porzingis is like 10 inches taller than him. He's, Porzingis is very tall. I thought shoots. the Celtics, that was the first time I was like, they finally figured out a, a, a way to F with Miami. Which is size. They have, and Bam actually looks small in one of the Boston games, and I got super excited about well, it. Well, this is the this is the the why the Celtics are constructed the way they are. You would love to be able to say, "All right, Bam, you guard this wing over here who doesn't shoot, and so yeah. like you can roam around." There is no such thing. It's so you happening. have to guard Porzingis. You have no other place to put your center. I'm glad you mentioned Miami. We talked about Rozier. Here's the here's the choice. We all know what they have to trade salary wise, right? Lowry, thirty million. Yeah. yeah uh, Nikola Jovic is like another three or four. Can they have you, a couple other pieces. If it comes down to do we include one first round pick to get whoever the player is? Yes. Even if it means if a superstar becomes available in the next year, we can't throw six picks, five picks. Who's pick. the superstar? Mitchell? I'm glad you brought up Donovan Mitchell. Who's playing awesome right now? No one has whispered the word Cleveland Cavaliers They've, on ESPN television. They're like a four seed. They're like 11 and three in their last 14 games. They're playing out of their mind. Jared Allen's playing out of his mind. Sam Merrill's like good. Yeah. He's good. He's moving around. He's making plays, pump and go and make plays. Mitchell is playing. That's a good award, by the way, though. Well. The white guy shooter, like out of nowhere award. Who do we name that after? The Joe Harris Award? Duncan Robinson. The dun- Every year there's the one donkey. white guy who's the dun- like... The donkey? 20, yeah, the donkey. This year's donkey. 23 to 26 year old out of nowhere, all of a sudden shooting 50% from three. Uh, they're like, when they get Mobley and Garland back, first there will be a legitimate like, all right, we have to go back to the way we played. Like we're going to like hit a slump for five games figuring it out. But like Five games. They're they're good, man. Maybe they're, they're maybe they're playing well because they have less see, guys. That, but that conversation, I'm actually surprised that has not been more of a talking point. Like it are, should are, be. Are they, are they better off without? But like, what are you gonna, what are you supposed to do? Trade Evan Mobley? No, but trade Jared Allen. Sometimes teams have like I said this somebody the other day. The Warriors have been a Clay Thompson like ten game ankle sprain away from their team falling into place. 
they just have too many guys and the minutes are off and that's that's it, fair. Sometimes you just have one too many guys. It's but like also you need awesome players to win playoff series. And like yeah. yes, the fit may be imperfect, but those guys are if not awesome, they're close to awesome. Like they're really, really good. Yeah, but do you think the Garland Mitchell combo makes sense? Because I don't. I don't. Think I love it, both of the guys individually as players. It hasn't gelled the way that they hoped and the way that it should. And for my taste, it's been a little too much of like the Donovan Mitchell show at times. Totally but like agree. The show right now is must see television. But at the end, like you do, just need a raw talent level to actually win in the playoffs. And so I, they just need those guys. I need to spin them into other time. I don't know, but I'm, my whole point was, I'm We're very, that. I'm very impressed with what they've done. And if they keep playing like this, like they're like, I don't know what happens with Donovan Mitchell, but you know, the heat to me are like, I, they've beaten Philly in the playoffs recently. They've beaten Boston in the playoffs twice in the last four seasons. They've beaten what? Milwaukee. They've beaten Milwaukee in the playoffs twice yeah. in the last four seasons. They broke, They're not scared they of any broke of these Milwaukee. Teams. Yeah, they destroyed Milwaukee. They broke Milwaukee fired their coach and made a franchise altering trade. Like they're not scared of any of these guys. Hero's been good. Hawk has his they're deeper than they were last year. I if I'm them, I'm like, I might take a shot at one more guy who's like a starter level guy. Rogier or better than Rogier? Yeah. I don't know. There's been some there's some Washington, Milwaukee, oh, well, I'm sorry, Washington, Miami, like possibilities that make sense with like Tyus Jones and ah. maybe it, like a Shamit comes to Miami and what I, I don't know if that moves the needle, but it certainly didn't. So move why my Bam? Needle. Why are you singling out Bam? Just the pressure of guarding these guys around. But does Bam round. has he won a title? Because like, last time I checked, he hasn't. Is that the? Is that all? That no. Is? But you asked who has pressure. He is their only guy. Going round by round against Giannis and Bede and then the Tatum Porzingis combo. And he's the best guy in the team to guard all of those guys. Yeah. Good luck. That's a freaking gauntlet. That's seven weeks, Zach Lowe. So it's like, oh good, I got through Giannis. Oh, there's Joel Embiid. Like that's a nightmare. He's ready. Bam's ready to do that. Okay. Better. I'm just saying there's pressure. Um my next team was Minnesota, which you already kind of talked oh, about. Oh, my next guy was Towns. It is. I, I've already said like my biggest question with Minnesota is towns. Just not just towns, but like nut cutting time late in games. Do Edwards and Towns make the right decisions with the ball? Like probably it, not. I will fast forward through Minnesota because we've done that. Who is your ninth guy? I don't know. I've lost track. I had Paul George as my ninth guy. Playoff P. Playoff P. Clippers. I I will pose this question to you because it's something I thought about myself as I made my list. Okay. Is it wrong, dumb, somehow fundamentally incorrect that we have gotten this far and nowhere in our championship pressure index has come the Denver Nuggets? So I had Aaron Gordon 10th. Why? <laughs> like, because, Why? Because both of us, like... Yes, they won, and so obviously that relieves some pressure. But you and I both know, having followed this league our whole lives, these windows are very precious things. Yep. The, what they have in Jokic is like, it's not going to last forever. So back-to-back ain't nothing Why either. is there not more 
I mean, and their front office acted with urgency, like the way Calvin Booth traded future picks for yeah. more picks now and get all these like experienced rookies like Strother and you know, and Peyton Watson's not a rookie, but a second year guy, and like they they are acted like a team that it's just interesting that they're. I, See, maybe to there's me, just nothing. I don't know why. They're the only team that knows they don't have to worry about the regular season. So I'd start there. Are you worried about their bench at all? Yeah. They have a multiple guy. I liked last year when like somebody like Bruce Brown came in and he's like, I'm not scared. Let's go. I don't know if their guys are going to be scared. And so let's do their bench. Their bench is Reggie Jackson. I trust Who, Reggie Jackson. As I a, as at least trust him not to be scared. I'm all in the are you going to be scared mode. He's not going to be scared. Christian Brown. Won't be scared. Peyton Watson. No idea. I like I like how he's playing. I like him. No idea what he's going to be like in May. Julian Strother. No idea. I like him too. To and me, then, they're a buyout guy waiting to happen. Then you're like the DeAndre Jordan, Zeke Najee, backup center conundrum thing. Yeah. I actually like all of those guys as individual bench players. None of them are like as good as your classic six man on a championship team. but And the numbers are awful. But like the on-off numbers are awful. But a lot of those are like Michael Malone again doing the thing where he plays five bench guys together in the regular season, which he will not do in the playoffs. They'll be like Murray and Gordon with them. And so like I actually think they have enough. I just think it's curious that they don't – I guess it's just because they won. And so they won. And it's like – I just think when you have Jokic, you don't really have to worry about stuff. I would be worried about Aaron Gordon would be because his – and it was happening last year in the playoffs, especially in uh, in the Lakers series, yeah. where they were trying to get into his head. They just weren't guarding him at all and forcing him to make a couple. But this year, he's shooting like 27% from three. And the smart teams are just leaving him like alone. Well, weirdly, that was the headline of the Jokic-Embiid matchup, is they didn't guard each other, and Embiid guarded Aaron Gordon and didn't yeah. guard him. And I worry less about that, despite his shooting numbers being so bad, because... All his numbers are worse this year than last I year. I just feel like they've got they know that they know what that is and what it feels like, and they have the best problem solver in the entire league holding the ball. So That's why I, we're not worried about Denver. But I Gordon, I think there's going to be a series where he's like zero for nine in the first three games from three, and then game four starts, and he's just by himself in the corner, and they're going to try to navigate it. I right, go through my, the rest of your list real fast. Gobert, Chet, and Chris Stapps. I took Chris Stapps out of my Celtics section. The Chet thing I just thought of because that game we went to when he looked overwhelmed and you're like, oh, that's right. This guy's 20. You know, and they have a real chance to... I didn't come away thinking he looked that overwhelmed. He didn't have a good offensive game. Oh, he was awful. I thought defensively he was aggressive and was a presence at the rim even late in the game. He was awful offensively. He was not good offensively. Um, And then I had Gobert at 11th just because... Yeah, as great as the season's gone for him, and he was clearly injured last year and a bunch of stuff going on. I thought he did a really good podcast with Austin Rivers for us, actually, that I, I learned a lot. TV's I, Austin Rivers? Yeah, yeah. TV's Austin Rivers has a pod, podcast for us. And um, I didn't realize how hurt Gobert was. They were talking about it, and Austin was talking about, I, you know, I would see you in the trainer's room, and I really respected how you kept playing games even though we all knew you were hurt like we all knew like you're a warrior and I was like I didn't know Gobert was hurt last year because he does look different but we're getting to a playoff series and it's going to be the same old conundrum of what do you do the last five minutes are people going to hack a Gobert him he's been a little better with free throws this year but um 
but that spotlight goes right on them. Well, and look, I I haven't checked today, but the last time I checked, they're 20th in offense. Like their offense just has not been mm. good. They have well, massive yeah, turnover. Mike Conley's problems. old. And they're really dependent on Mike Conley to settle them down and make the right decisions with the ball. Their offense makes me a little, a little uneasy. Their defense is completely 100% legit and will put them in every single game. And they're, I love the competitiveness. Edwards is the least afraid 22 year old I've ever seen ever in the league, but other than maybe like Dwayne Wade. I don't forget how old he was in 05, the year before they won. Does it, but he's coming in with like, you would, he's just could not be less scared of anybody. Like Draymond tried to talk to him when oh, during Draymond's crazy yeah. stint, and Ant wouldn't have it. Ant was like, "Are you kidding?" And yeah. was just going right back at him. Wait, before we go, I have two things for you, okay. including one that will break your brain. Well, that's a tradition. You have to do it. All Star, you gave up your vote. I was super disappointed in you. I know you've, you've expressed that privately. But so, am I supposed to vote for two Lakers when they're not five hundred? You can vote for it's your ballot, but it is. Should there First be, of all, you only vote for starters, so you only got to. You can vote for no Lakers. I know, but then we do our it. things with uh, your picks. Yeah, the picks and twelve people. You, like, I think you vote for two Lakers. I think that's okay. That's not unprecedented. I think there should be an unwritten rule: if your team can't go for five hundred, I can't give you two so All Star spots. Was, can I tell you what? There's I, twelve spots. Can I tell you what I was shocked by when I listened to your podcast with Joe House? Yeah, about All Star blink test. It was a half ass blink test. Yeah, it was fine, but I was shocked that. <clears throat> Um, so you're hesitant to give the Lakers two. One is a lock, right? One of them is going to make your ballot. I think AD has to be on. I think AD's been awesome this season. Simmons leaving LeBron off the all-star ballot. No, I don't want to leave LeBron off, but do I have to put two Lakers on a, on a 20 and 22 team? They get two of the 12 spots. That's crazy. I don't, I, we've seen that before with top heavy teams and I'm just saying, I don't like it. But I, was I don't su- want to put two kings on but either. But here was surprised. Here's what I was surprised by. But but you know that Anthony Davis, I, I was going to say, you know Anthony Davis and LeBron are better than both those guys. De'Aaron Fox is pretty goddamn good. And like Sabonis, Sabonis, for all the flaws people nitpick, he's groundbound defensively, he can't protect the rim, blah, blah. Like he tries hard defensively. You mean he's first in the league in rebounds it's, and seventh in the league in assists. are insane. Insane. He's having Triple a better year than like LeBron James. Every third game. All right, let me. Here's. Let me. I'm trading carefully because LeBron's the second best player of all time. But if you're 23rd in offense. I know. I've talked about their offense things. If you're 23rd in offense. The Kings are are like. Why doesn't he get blamed for that? The Kings are like 15th. But he's 23rd. Like, he's like, they're. The Lakers are just a tail above Charlotte and, and teams like that. So. I know he's getting his stats, but isn't it his job to make sure they're at least like the 15th offense? And how how much can we blame all the, oh, it's Austin Reeves' fault. Well, oh, remember when it was Malik Monk's fault. So what is he not doing that you would like to see him do I don't know. I just wanted to talk it out. I just want, if somebody is supposed to be an all-star, then that means, all right, what are you doing the best at? All right, we're, I'm really good on offense. Okay, how's your team doing on offense? We're 23rd. Now and I have to have two your, all-stars? Your counterpoint would be, like, at least I know AD is the reason their defense is ninth or 8th or 10th or whatever it is. Yeah, like and that. look, if people want to say, look, there's a whole other thing. LeBron has to be in the all-star game because he's LeBron. So obviously I'm going to vote for him because I want to see the best players in the all-star game. But I don't feel good about voting for two Lakers because I don't think in the West, as loaded as it is, 
Like OKC is going to have one all-star and the Lakers are going to have two? So talk it out. Who is Chet or J-Dub better? J-Dub's a tough one because he, he's, he, really he's good. so good. Is he, he better w- than LeBron James? He's more deserving of an all-star berth than LeBron James. I don't, I don't, that's a hard argument to make. Yeah, I wouldn't make that argument. Also, uh, there's a star power element, but. I was surprised on your podcast that you seemed not just hesitant, but outright rejecting of the idea that the Boston Celtics could get three all-stars. You were like two max sets. I don't even want to discuss The league's too else. deep. The league's too good. But, but been, that goes back to the Lakers point. Let me bring up the standings. I mean, they are four games ahead of everybody else in the league almost. Or the last time I checked, they were. I think it should be Jalen and Tatum. And they're I, thirty-two and, and nine. They're only they're only two games in the last club over Minnesota, but they're four games up on everybody in the East. And you just outright dismissed because the, league, the league's Celtics too deep. All-Star. The league's too deep. And then same thing for should we have two Kings and two Lakers in the West? That's what about two Suns. I, I wouldn't do it. I, I, to so me, Devin it's Booker like pick out. a son, Devin Booker out, pick a son, pick a Laker, pick a king. I think is where my head's at. It is interesting that, like, is there a second Timberwolf? Timberwolf, Timberwolf. Is there a second Timberwolf? I think Gobert and Edwards should both make it. Over but that Kat. team's Over really Kat. doing well. I think Cat's a little. Cat's not getting enough love for how adaptable he's been with yeah, the right. players. I'll have to look at it. Cat might get that forward spot, but would you give the second forward spot to Cat? Bump Durant, do Booker. Like, there's some there's some mechanics well, to it. And, and I am a big winning guy, as you know. I like I like records. But there's also records, and there's like perception of records, right? And so the Lakers feel disappointing with 21 wins. The Jazz feel like a revelation with 22 wins because of their preseason expectations. And so I was about to say, Markinen is coming for right. one of these spots now. They only have one more win than the Lakers, but because of what our baseline expectation was. They feel like a much happier story than the Lakers. All right, if I said to you before the year, Davis and LeBron are going to play the whole season. I know. It's strange. You'd have been like, whoa, they're going to be like 32 and 15. And even you whatever. look at Reeves' numbers, and he feels like he's had a disappointing season. His numbers are like his three his point shooting hasn't been there, but his numbers are okay. I It's going to be real hard for me to vote for two of anybody that's not a top three or four team. All right, here's here's my brain breaker question. Okay. I did this on my pod today, but you didn't hear the pod. I yet, haven't heard I, it yet. Yeah. I put it up when you were coming over. Charlotte calls Golden State. And they oh, say... Oh, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, give, give it to me. Give it to me. They're like, look, man. You got it. It's kind of over. Here's your get-out-of-jail-free card, but it involves Steph Curry. We'll give you LaMelo. We'll give you the Hayward expiring. We'll take Steph and Clay back, or we'll just take Steph, and we'll give you four unprotected first-round picks. Every two years, you'll get another unprotected first-round pick. Give us Steph. Do the Warriors have a meeting? No. They just hang up. Well, How many picks would have to be offered before the Warriors are like, all right, let's at least meet about this? I don't think they have a meeting, but I think Mike Dunleavy... He's like on the phone in his office and he's like, yo, come in, come in here. Oh, he puts him like on speaker. I got, I got a cup check on the line. Listen to what, <laughs> listen to what he's offering. This is crazy. Not that they'd be crazy to do it, but just like, this is like who, who offers, who calls about Steph Curry? Nobody calls about Steph Curry. It's uh, almost worth doing if you're Charlotte, right? 
How many picks before you have to do it? What's and then the record can, of pick? How many picks can you offer? I, I guess like four firsts and three pick yeah, swaps. Yeah, you can offer seven total swaps and picks because you can four firsts, three pick swaps, well, and Lamelo Ball. Do they have any extra? Like if you have extra picks, you can offer. Like if you already have extra picks from other teams, you, you can throw, throw those, those in. Too. You would have to do it and then leak it to the media, so <laughs> that, that you made a Godfather so that offer? the Charlotte Observer has to put like sources. Warriors or Hornets all in for Curry. When you the minute you said Charlotte, that's the, the the minute the word Charlotte came out of your mouth. I was like, here here comes Steph Curry to coming home. Here it comes. Here's the trade proposal. Steph Curry coming home. home. You've taken Golden State as far as you could take him. You're the most beloved athlete, probably since Willie Mays in the Bay Area. You won four titles. You are one of the ten best players of all time. Now I posit this to you, Bill Simmons, author of the Book of Basketball. Yeah steward of basketball history if you were the gen- if you were the owner of the golden state warriors I'd, i'm hanging up is I'm there like, any trade offer that there could ever be that you would trade steph curry no he, it has to be no you just can't ever we went do through it. the celtics like we were just never trading larry bird i don't care what he you, was he had you, to retire with us you as a as a how old are you in bird is Limping around the court, diving on the floor. I was a Portland. senior in college. Diving on the floor against where he's wearing the thirty-pound back. back brace. You felt in your soul, I want to see this guy on crutches as a Celtic. Seattle could have offered us Gary Payton and Sean Kemp, and I've been like, nope. Here's five first. Nope. Isn't that cool? Isn't yeah, that cool? That's why they're never trading him. I that's just, why sports are sports because it's totally irrational and it's yeah. awesome and that player means something to you. And the, the Warriors can never, ever trade Steph Curry. Ever, ever, ever. Yeah, the point of the exercise was how many picks would have to get thrown in before they I mean, had to if, at least have if you seven. Were, if you were, I, like, if you just took all emotion out of it, you could make seven. Steph Curry trades that the Warriors theoretically in totally cold. There's only one team. It, it's it's Charlotte or Bust. No, but I'm just saying if what if, if he went to them and said, "Ready to go home." I've always dreamed of playing for Charlotte. It's not happening here. Orange, Why don't you trade the, me to Charlotte? Remember the orange jerseys? I've, yeah. I've always loved those. Like once upon a time, I was shooting threes before Hornets games. One of my favorite interviews I ever did, I was still with Sports Illustrated, was when in the middle of that 7-59 and 59 season, I interviewed Paul Silas, who was oh. the coach of the team. And he just was in full, I don't give a shit about any of these guys. Like He was like, Boris Diaz's fat. Dasana Jop's fat. These guys are out of shape. It was just like, <laughs> he he was done with the whole the whole thing. It was great. Um. All right, that's that. I knew that would break. I I got the reaction I wanted, which you were paralyzed for like a second and a half, which was worth. But it. I just, as soon as you said Charlotte, I knew where it was going. I knew it was going to be seventeen first round picks and Lamelo Ball and but Lamelo the, Ball. Yeah. The question is, should Charlotte even do that? You know what? I don't even want to know the answer. I don't want to this know. This great answer. stuff. Do you like Lamelo Ball? I mean, it would be nice if he played more than like thirty-five games yeah, a year. Two, this is that would be a bonus. Seasons of like, I'm not positive. It's hard for me to imagine him in a multi-series playoff run. Like, I, I feel the same way. But then it happened with Trey Young, so I don't know. If that was that like a unicorn event or? I can't um, believe we haven't talked about the Hawks this whole time. This is we're like a sad. Hawks optimists like support group. I'm preseason I'm, Hawks optimists. I'm buying everybody's Hawks stock. Jalen Johnson's back. He's like the key to the team. Hold on, hold on. You're buying at 2024 Atlanta Hawks stock? Yeah, I think they can make the playoffs. 
this is a fantastic way to end the podcast. I I think what if I they think trade pretty, Dejounte Murray in like a rebuilding a rebuilding trade? I I think if they trade him, they're getting somebody back who helps them now. I don't think they want to rebuild. Who says no? Let's end on a Simmonsism. Who says no? Mm. Dejounte Murray for Zach Levine. Dejounte Murray in like matching salary for Zach Levine. No picks involved at all. Everyone says no to <laughs> Zach Levine. But it's like, it's like two hundred million after this year, right? It's a lot. Yeah, it's 40-plus for four straight years, so it's like 175. I actually think the Lakers should trade for him. And I say that as somebody who I, I, I get it. I, I'm not a Laker fan, and people are going to be like, you're just saying that because you don't like the Lakers. I actually think he's what they need. He's a third scorer, and I, I, I think he would actually get better, not worse, in this whole Lakers kind of whatever fishbowl they play in. Um, I think he'd get wide open threes. I think LeBron would make him better. And I like his game offensively. I just think he's in the, on the wrong team. But it's a gamble. They can afford to make the gamble because they're year to year with LeBron, right? I wonder if also LeBron, if LeBron would get annoyed by his decision making at times too. LeBron gets annoyed a lot. He does. I think it's been really hard to find. I did this thing on my pod today about all the shooting that they've traded because everyone out here is like, they just need to find shooters for LeBron. It's like they they had Malik Monk. Malik Beasley. And Malik Monk. They had Malik Beasley. They had Malik Monk. They had Caruso. They had KCP. They've had good shooters. KCP was huge for them in the championship. Malik Monk Monk had a miserable year here. That guy is like one of the most fun six men of the last 10 years. I literally could not picture one thing Malik Monk did as a Los Angeles league. He was super fun. He's very fun now. All right, you got to go. Uh, pressure rankings. That was great. Boston number one. I'm I'm, I'm happy we agreed on that. Yeah, good Bill one. Simmons, uh, the Bill Simmons podcast. What do we, we got? Football? Football? That's it. A lot of football. football. Heading into basketball. Trade deadline. This is my favorite time of year. Rough year for the Pats. Sorry. It's fine. We get the third pick. We're thank, good. thank you for your time and inviting me into your sitting room. Yeah. Slash library. library. Yeah. Oh, we should end with... Um, I, over the years, have interviewed and got to know Dayan Miolovic um, of the Warriors. And obviously the news has been out all over the place that he passed away from a heart attack this year, this week rather. And uh, the Warriors have had two games postponed already. Thoughts to his family. I never got to know any of his family, but I know a lot of the Balkan basketball players because of my connections. And I, I got to know Dayan a little bit and obviously just absolutely unfathomable and it goes without saying that all this basketball talk is just nonsense compared to to real life so i don't i don't know how you you bounce back from something like this for the warriors and just an awful awful tragedy and a great coach like a coach that i interviewed him about zubats years ago because he coached zubats for a little while in serbia uh, has worked with a lot of the the balkan big men and is a legend over there and a 46 year old family man just awful so uh I don't, it's one of those things where you don't know what else to say. Just it's the worst NBA story in a while. Just an awful tragedy and uh, a beloved guy. Like the Warriors were so excited when they got him over here to work with their team and work with their big men. And just like when the news broke, and you just I'm not sure what else to say. All right, that's it. All right, good seeing you, Zach. Thanks, Bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. 
So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.